Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Social Media School. This is Sonia Kilji. I am a social media coach, agency owner, as well as consultant with over a million followers. And today, we have a phenomenal, phenomenal guest who will be talking to us about community engagement. Before I introduce him, I just want to remind you guys to show this podcast some love. It is a brand new podcast, so if you could share it with friends or favorite it or just go ahead and follow me at Sanya Kilji. That's at S-A-N-I-A-K-H-I-L-J-E-E across Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok. I am all over the place dropping social media tips daily. Now, our guest today, we connected over LinkedIn, which is a platform I've definitely been playing on more. Doug Smith is a expert in online community engagement. I mean, that is his forte, which is massively important in today's day and age, especially, I don't know how many people notice this, but Facebook has been dropping massive money on advertising Facebook groups. And so community more than ever, community and engagement are critical components, if not the most critical component of your social media strategy. So thank you, Doug, for joining us today to shed some insight on this Thanks topic. for having me, Sonia. It's great to be here. Very excited to talk to you. So Doug, I had to ask you how I want how to introduce you because you wore so sure. many hats. If you could, could you kind of walk the listeners through a little bit of your background and your experience in this digital world? So I've been uh, in the digital uh, more than 20 years. So I've been very lucky to have, um, like you said, uh, to have worn a lot of different hats. So, but every uh, job I've had has had an online con. And it was just kind of like a friend of mine and I just kind of started to experiment with the uh, with the World Wide Web. And this was even, I think when we launched it, it was text only. And then we added graphics and, you know, we kind of went from there and I learned a bit of uh, web design and just, you know, navigating web pages and navigating the online world. And then from there moved into um, online education for a very early on online education company and from there into web marketing for the golf industry and you know a lot of um a lot of on the cusp of different things so the cusp of e-commerce or the cusp of uh you know web pages getting more interactive and then from there into um a little more training uh online training a little more interactive you know as the years went on for the government military and corporate clients and then moved into um online community, you know, as a, as a formal job, I participated in online communities before I officially worked in community. So a lot of music communities, I used to be uh, a musician. So, uh, and interesting, that's kind of how I cut my teeth learning social media was being uh, via playing in bands and music promotion, you know, starting back on MySpace and then moving over to Facebook. And then from there, um, I, I, moved into social media management. So a lot of uh, social media management for small businesses and clients, and then for uh, big companies. And then uh, my most recent role was uh, with the eBay community team. So uh, the e eBay has one of the biggest uh, online communities in the world. 
Fantastic. Um, are you are you still working with? No, EA? right now I'm uh, seeking new opportunities. So you know, talking to their and what's interesting about that for me is uh, the the community sphere is better than it's ever been. You know, there are a lot of new jobs, a lot of companies that are launching communities right now, and I've never seen this many opportunities out in the job world. So I am actively looking right now. Well, this is going to be an exciting time for you then. I'm excited to kind of see. Please do sure. update me as soon as you find that perfect role because I'm sure it's going to be kind of like the biggest and best career move yet. Um, I run my own community um, and I call it, it's just called Social Media School with Sonia Kelji. And for me, it's been really, really rewarding. I I have truly just, it's been, it's 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 the smallest following that I have on any of my social media platforms because I only let very, very okay. few people in. But as a result, the engagement and the quality, I, rem I remember posting a link to purchase a course once and within five minutes, I think like 30 people had bought because it was just so highly sure. engaged. Um, but you know what? I have a question for you. I want your okay. insight on something. I had to take a step back from my community um, in the end of my pregnancy and in the begin, uh, beginning of my child's birth, just because I was going through a lot okay. of health issues. And so I had to take a step back sure. for a couple months. And as a result, the engagement is not as strong as it once was. As someone who's a community manager, obviously that's not a good thing, but what is your advice to battle that kind of a situation? Well, I think, you know, you've definitely taken the first step. You've got a, uh, you've got a community that's, you know, you said had a high level of engagement and participation and over quantity. So you've got quality numbers in there. Um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, ideally putting more and more content in there regularly is going to, is going to keep up the engagement with your community. But I think um, a, a community can really engage itself as well. So a lot of communities can self-maintain um, and it, it's tough when there's not a lot of uh, content being posted regularly or a lot of, you know, I wouldn't moderation or engagement from, you know, the people that are, are running the community. But I think right now, you know, I think your opportunity is, is to get in there and maybe identify your super users and maybe launch some sort of uh, super user program where you are incentivizing these super users within your community with things like, you know, badging and gamification and encouraging them to kind of help you run the community and give them, you know, some rewards, maybe access to, uh, maybe free access to some of your courses, things like that, maybe helping them share some of their content, build up their own personal brands. And that way you can kind of, um, you can kind of be a little bit out of the community but it gets to a point where the super users are really helping you out and it kind of turns around to maybe it's a a peer-to-peer -peer community that is running itself largely and then you can step in when you need to or add content as needed. Oh, that's excellent advice and I'm definitely, definitely going to be doing that. Um, luckily, it did self-sustain for that period, but definitely started to die down a little bit when my absence was, was you know, a lot sure. longer than expected. Um, but I'm definitely going to be trying that. Now, I'm wondering, so I have seen one observation, and I'm wondering if you've seen this as well. When I, and this is applying to like Facebook community mm -hmm. specifically, I have noticed that when I DM sure. a certain member, 
and have a conversation, they will always see my group posts more often, essentially. Basically, the algorithm favors then my sure. content for them and whatsoever. And then as a result, they engage with the group more. Um, is that something you have noticed as yeah, well? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, Facebook is really, really kind of modified the group's experience so they're basically mini communities now so they're really uh, pushing a lot of that community feel but you know that algorithm kind of ties into everything that's done so the algorithm is seeing that you're like for instance maybe you're engaging with me you send me the dm and so the algorithm these two are interested in talking together let's see what they what type of content they're looking at and then they see the crossover and so would start showing you more of the posts or they'll see see more more of your posts so it's definitely in terms of um you know communicating seeing what the like-minded content is and engaging so the more you engage the more content you post you know and just they have so we're in a world of big data right now and facebook you know of anybody probably has about the biggest data that there can be and it ties into ties into your phone ties into your web browser ties into you know what e-commerce sites you're using and the ads you see but it also definitely ties into the fact you know, the, the people you're DMing, the content you're looking at, the content, you know, when you're scrolling through what you stop at, what you're liking, uh, the type of things you comment on. So that all ties together. And, you know, Facebook, ultimately, whether it's, um, you know, whether some people think it's evil, you know, some people think it's good. It's really all about connecting. And Facebook really wants to make it so you are using their core product for pretty much everything, for connecting with people, for connecting your family, for sharing your content, for watching your movies, uh, for your messaging on your phone, uh, you know, to get your news. So they want to do what they can to make that experience uh, the best they can for you and show you the most relevant content. And that includes super relevant ads. But I've, I've heard some crazy things that Facebook's doing that, you know, even ties into uh really ties into web browsing and your phones and location if you have location services on so um i had on good authority that facebook can see like let's say sonia you're giving a presentation at a social media conference and i'm there and facebook can if you have your locate if we each have our locations on the facebook app can see us together and maybe i would start seeing some of your content there because that's just another way we're potentially engaging you know what? I have known that that is valid for a while now because there have been certain friends that I've hung out with after like months sure. and I hung out with them. We didn't engage on Facebook, nothing. We were just in the mm -hmm. same room together. And then all of a sudden I start seeing their content all over the place. And I know this happens to be a running joke, but it's so true. Facebook sometimes like... Like, my God, I'll talk about one thing. Like, I talked about wanting mm -hmm. a rabbit. And all of a sudden, I just kept seeing ads for rabbit products. And lo and behold, I went and bought one because I just kept seeing these ads. The ads are just too yeah. damn good. Okay? They take all of my money, and I need better self-control, <laughs> and I don't have it. So um, it is what it is. And I sometimes even joke, like, I didn't even say it out loud. I just thought it, and Facebook <laughs> read my mind. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> So it's how it works. I fully agree. It's extremely advanced, borderline very frightening. I think we should all be a little bit afraid 
of just the immense amount of intel that they have. But here's what I always tell people. Um, it doesn't matter if your social media is private or not. Even if you're on private, assume everything that you have is public. Never assume that anything is actually Exactly. Public. Yeah. And, you know, that's the best way to think because it's likely that, like you said, however private you are, some of that, some of that will leak out. And, you know, we're all tied in. So it's, we're all so connected now. You know, we connect our, if we use Chrome, we connect our browsers to work across all devices. Or if we have a, a, a Droid phone that's deeply tied into Google, and then that ties into, you know, Facebook. And it just, you know, all ties together. And I've had that happen. You know, the example you gave is be, uh, so talking about something and then suddenly an ad shows up, you know, next time I log into Facebook. It's, it's interesting and, you know, potentially, potentially scary, but then again, you know, it, it, it can be, it can convince you that you do need a rabbit, things like that. Yes. Which in my case, that was a great decision, but still Facebook should not have coerced me into it. <laughs> but um, jokes aside, obviously communities are not just on Facebook. I mean, you've got, you got the most interesting rabbit hole communities in um Reddit, you've got, you know, Google threads, you've got mm -hmm. Quora forums, you've got just so there's the web is, I mean, there's a lot, even on just comments, right? Even in the comments of certain posts, it's like a whole community. Talk to me about other places that you have worked on building a community outside. Sure, of sure. So, uh, you know, and it, what you said is definitely true. And, um, you know, a huge community that I spend a lot of time on is LinkedIn. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. And obviously, even before, you know, being in the job search market as I am right now, LinkedIn is a fantastic, it's a community, it is a social media platform, but it is basically a community. And it's a great spot for you to uh, build up a personal brand. So, you know, obviously, you've got the opportunity to have what's basically an online resume, but that can also be your website, it can be your hub. Um, and they've, LinkedIn's got a fantastic, very robust content management system that, you know, allows you to easily quickly post articles, uh, you know, basically blog posts, and it ties into, ties into, uh, you know, what you're doing via LinkedIn. And obviously great for job searching. Um, if you're job searching, you got to get LinkedIn premium, you've got to use those save job searches that they have. And it just connects you with people uh, at companies that you're looking at. So the other interesting thing is uh, we talked about er very early on communities. So you said a lot of communities are very niche. So I started, you know, working in a lot of uh, music communities early on. But the concept of an online community where you're looking at, you know, basic message boards, discussion boards, other types of content like blog content, informational content, things like that. These were around before what we think of now as social media. So online communities were the very first uh, types of social media. So you'll notice, you know, when Facebook launched, Facebook had comments and, you know, eventually evolved to embedded comments, which is a convention from online discussion boards straight from community. But communities were places where people could go to, uh, to interact, you know, in that full on sense of community around like minded topics, connect and engage, you know, around bands or around hobbies, things like that. And then in terms of, you know, specific to your question about my experience. So 
working with a lot of big brands within their communities. So I was on the Verizon community team and the Verizon telecom team. So a lot of, uh, it was a peer-to-peer support community. So a lot of uh, engaging with super users. And that's the interesting thing about people that participate in communities is a lot of times they're doing this for free and they're helping other people. And it just takes a certain type to go in there for, for free and help people. So they've got knowledge, um, you know, in terms of when I was at Verizon, in terms of the products, in terms of phones, in terms of, you know, content and channels. But more interesting is the uh, eBay community. So eBay itself, you know, second biggest e-commerce site in the world behind Amazon. But eBay in 1995 really started as a very, very early online community. And the interesting thing about that is when they started up, eBay exploded uh, because there was nothing like it at the time, connecting people to sell stuff in terms of goodwill and trust. And it exploded so quickly, they needed they needed uh, customer service rep and support people. So the first online community was the first version of eBay's customer service. So it was literally customers helping customers, sellers helping sellers. And then it just kind of evolved from there. And it's, you know, very much a peer-to-peer support experience as w- still to this day. And, you know, one of the biggest communities in the world is the eBay online community. They have 14 instances around the world. And it's all, you know, with some moderation from eBay employees, it's mostly sellers helping sellers and engaging with this within this community, answering questions about all the different, uh, you know, types of things across the board that go into online selling. So, uh, and, you know, also a, for a brand, for a big brand or a small brand, it's a way for um, not only customers to engage and help each other, but it's a way for a brand to engage with its customers. So, you know, in terms of helping them out, but also what's really important for a brand about within a community is listening to their customers and taking that feedback it's, you know, it's almost free feedback for a brand, but the important thing is listen to those customers, take that feedback, involve them in a feedback loop where you are reporting back to them and just, you know, showing your customers that you're listening to them and that they are being heard. You know, what's so interesting about this to me is that a lot of the people that I have interviewed are like solopreneurs Mm -hmm. or entrepreneurs or small business owners. You are giving me so much more insight from a large corporation perspective, and I am absolutely just taking it all in. Um, It's it's so fascinating, the peer-to-peer support that I see in communities. Um, and cause I'm, a, I'm part of quite a few actually, and it's, it's been very, very helpful. Um, but also there is one, I guess, you know, the customer service aspect, you know, people now when they're upset, they'll tweet at a company or they'll, um, they'll just, you know, leave sure. a comment on Facebook or something like that, like a public comment. Um, did you handle a lot of customer service, res- uh, uh, customer service requests via these. So I've, I've as had well? some roles where I have handled some of that, and the uh, so in terms of not only community management but social media as well. And so you know what you said kind of hits the nail on the head. So two things: when when a customer has a problem, a lot of times they'll go direct to social media or to a community because 
they either don't want to call in because they know that, you know, that's going to take, take a long time. They're going to have to sit on hold for a bit. A lot of times when they'll post in social media or in a community, they're angry. So they want to, um, you know, they want to vent. The interesting thing though about um, customer engagement in social media is a lot of times if you have somebody that is, that is angry and you engage them, first of all, they're not really expecting, a lot of times not expecting to uh, get a response. They just want to vent. Uh, and then you engage with them via your channels. And the nice thing is, is, you know, it's a public, it's, it's, it's publicly out there so everybody can see it. It's not hidden in DMs and things like that. And so the gold, you know, the gold is if you are able to work with this person, make them feel heard, you know, again, take their feedback, help them out with their issue, and you re refer them to the right kind of the right content or, you know, what they need to do to resolve their issue. So the advantage there is they get helped, but, you know, the gold is if they come back and you, they say, thank you very much. You really helped me. I really appreciate it. That's all public. And then you've taken a detractor and turned them into an advocate. And that's very difficult to do. But if you can, you know, go with, go with that hug your haters concept and turn these people around a lot of times, if you turn a detractor around, they're going to be a bigger advocate for you in the long run than your typical cheerleader. So, Doug, I'm going to share something okay. a little bit personal that happened just yesterday. I wish I had <laughs> talked to you sooner, which we were supposed to do, but then uh, I remember there was just sure. some sickness in my household. Um, but this happened last night, okay? And it was one of the most difficult experiences I've ever gone okay. through in my entire life. Um, so I own preschools, uh, private preschools, and I put my heart and soul into them along with social media businesses. But I am, I love children. I'm a mother. I absolutely adore okay. all the kids in my school. And um, there was a mother who experienced something on camera that she was not happy with and um, then proceeded to post in every single community across social media, like for Katie Texas this, Katie Texas that, next door app, I mean, as many places as she could find, she was posting this long and detailed narrative about how she feels like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're just like the worst school ever and how badly we treat okay. children and things of that sort. Anyhow, there were some things that she said that were like true, like things that we sure. could have done a little bit better. However, there was many, many inaccuracies in her account, many falsehoods, many inaccuracies. And um, by the time I got wind of this, I was unfortunately up to like, I think like 100, okay. 203 wow. fever, reading hundreds and hundreds of hate messages towards uh, my, my school. Um, and so I posted my side of the story I was like, hey, you know, I, I understand you're concerned, but here is all of the facts based sure. off of video footage. I want to make sure that you're aware of like all of the facts. And I just posted basically okay. my side of the story. Um, so um, after that, I received hundreds of people telling okay. me I should go to hell, that there is a special sure. place in hell reserved for me. I should kill myself. It would be funny if I died. Um, that, um, that uh, you know, I only see kids as 
cash walking around. Um, I just sit with my hair done in the front and never go into my classrooms to help. So I don't know anything about okay. anything. I'm a loser. I'm a jerk. I just all kinds of things. It was, and normally I have sure. very thick skin. Normally I do, but I broke down in absolute tears from the sheer amount of hate coming at me yesterday from um then from from um neighbors from fellow mothers from the community i'd volunteered in for for years i mean it was hard so in that instance i mean that's where that's the ugliest sure. thing that could happen in a community and it's crazy we're having this conversation today because yeah. that was just last night for me um how what's what's some of your advice to handle the situation because for right now i've just blocked i've just deactivated okay. my face yeah no I'm, and i'm sorry you had to go through that but you know that's that's an unfortunate unfortunate circumstance of you know being and in the online world being an online personality is you know haters are going to come along a lot of those people obviously don't know the facts it's very easy to pile on and you know uh like for instance, YouTube is is known for insanely negative comments, and it's easy for people to pot file on and get vicious. And it's you know, especially when they're hiding behind their keyboards and just, especially piling on without knowing all the facts. So first of all, you know, my advice is my advice would be if you hadn't responded and you came to me, I would say, well, first of all, you should respond. And you know, that's and it's kind of just, and I'm sure based on what you said, this is how you responded, is you give an honest response. It's like, you know, here are some things that didn't go as they should have, and here are some facts, and just addressing these issues. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, is you're not going to turn every detractor around. Some people are just really, re can be really vicious and hurtful, and especially when they're angry. But again, they're hiding behind a keyboard. So the unfortunate, you know, unfortunately, face-to-face, -face, it would probably be a different interaction. So I think in terms of, you know, a response, you did the right thing, responding right away in a public forum and being honest. And, you know, it sounds like you're in a crisis situation right now. So there may still be, you know, stuff that you will have to respond to. And, you know, the, sure, sure. Can I pause you right there? Um, I feel at this point, it's better to just sure. completely stop engaging uh, because the hate has gotten sure. to the point where it's unbearable almost. Um, it's like yeah. a swarm of bees and they are just looking to attack. Like they are just senselessly believing. Like I've said, hey, I'm willing to make video footage available to anybody who wants it. Anybody who needs it. I can't post it online because children are involved. But if you schedule a meeting with mm -hmm. me, I can show it to you one on one. Um, but but it is, um, uh, you know, I feel like if I continue to respond at this point, it's just uh, it's it's really, really toxic. Um, I've kind of become the scapegoat. So I'm kind of just like laying low, deactivated Facebook, waiting for sure. it to die down because it will die down every few few months or a few weeks. Katie moms get something yeah. to get upset over um but you know I, I i see what you mean where you try to turn the detractor into into someone who's an advocate but i i don't see that well so and then you know so. going back to what you just said so yeah and there are definitely some people that are always negative and look for any chance to uh you know freak out and put other people down especially when it comes to comes to their kids so for you it's like yeah you did respond and this is the toughest part of it is 
you kind of just have to try and ignore it and move on. And I know it's difficult and it's, it's easy to take personal and we all do, you know, deep down, but it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna fade away. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna burn out. But the, the best thing is, is just to move on. Like you said, you've made your response. And I guess I should clarify, you know, I was, you know, wherever you responded, there may be some other areas you may feel you have to respond, but you have this response. Or if, you know, the, the interesting thing about uh, something like, let's say an online community too, is when you post, your, your post will have a unique URL that you can use and share especially if it's an open community. So, you know, that's another thing you could do is if that's your response and you've written your response. And if you have to direct anybody to it, you can direct them to that unique URL. But, you know, the hardest part. Okay. That's exactly what I did. I actually directed all of the hatred, hate sure. comments and there was like a hundred of them. I directed them all to my response and oh my God, they killed me over that. They were like, no one asked for your opinion. No one needed to know this. It's so cringy that you feel like you have to explain yourself to all yeah. of us. And I'm like, God damn, there's like really no way to win. But, you know, I think part of me is venting right now. But also, I think a very important subject of just the fact of the matter is this is something that probably all businesses mm -hmm. at some point experience. Um, and, and, and our biggest nightmares as well is these PR just craziness because one person was upset over something and then exaggerated and, and changed the story and all sorts of craziness. So uh, it is, you know, sure. it is what it is. It is what it is. But um, I'm sure you saw that in, I'm sure, you know, in every community you've managed, you have seen trolls. So I wanted to know your thoughts next on censorship within communities and sure, management sure. Of so uh you know i'm not i'm not big on censorship uh but you know we in in the online business or in the business world you know you can only be so transparent there's some things you can and can't say and then you know no matter how transparent you want to be uh a big a big brand like a company like ebay or a company like amazon or google or verizon there are some things they can't say there. And, you know, a big company has to also deal with investors and lawyers. So there's always things you can and can't say. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of like we're talking about, it's kind of the nature of the online world is people will be, people will be uh, negative. People will spread misinformation. And then the nature that a lot of these, you know, you can post whatever you want, you know, that's not always going to be accurate. And, you know, we're seeing, we see this now with politics. We see this now with, you know, all the coronavirus things that are going around. So, you know, you kind of have to take a lot with a grain of salt. And then, you know, you will have, it's interesting in terms of, you know, studies that have been done. There's a super in uh, community per se, there's a super small percentage of people that are your super users, like a handful of a percent. But most people will just be readers. And there will be some people that will troll and will only only jump in to uh, spread negativity. So, you know, at a high level, the easy for a brand, you what you want to have is you want to have um, you want to have guidelines and you want to have them clearly available and you want to have them very clear. And I really think guidelines should be the be a living document. So if something needs to be updated, you update it and then you inform your community. We've updated the guidelines. Here's what we've done. And I'm a big, big fan of transparency there. When you update things or make changes, you should update the community and let them know. 
But so, you know, in terms of obviously, unless you're okay with it, things like profanity or things like, you know, some communities don't allow members to talk about politics or things like that, or don't get into, uh, don't get into uh, squabbles back and forth. So that's a way kind of to moderate the negativity and the trolls is you have, you have clear guidelines that are regularly updated, but you also have uh, clear moderation. So you have moderate, maybe, you know, if you've got, uh, if you've got a contract with somebody like Koros or, or uh, an online community company that helps you moderate, they will go in and take care of some of that. Or, you know, if you've got a community that you manage yourself, that's a lot of what you have to do. But, so, and sometimes, sometimes members have to be warned. Sometimes that's enough to turn them around and stop the behavior. Sometimes they have to be warned two or three times, but you also have to have a clear escalation process. And unfortunately, sometimes people do have to be banned from communities. And depending upon, depending upon the person, that's yes. an, like a warning could be enough to make them change their ways, you know, and, you know, play by the rules. And then a ban could be enough to push them away. Um, you know, and you should always make, give them a means to appeal, you know, maybe they get one appeal or they can email and, you know, state their side of things. And, you know, there are always ways to get around bans as well. So people will try and come back with a different email. Um, but, you know, you just have to have clear guidelines that are regularly updated communication with your community and, the, you know, the willingness to kind of, um, just moderate, not necessarily be the bad guy, but moderate and, you know, have fair guidelines, fair rules that need to be followed by everybody across the board. And that's something you can also get your super users involved in as well as helping you moderate the community because a community experience, you know, should be a useful one. It should be a positive one. People should get help. People should get the information they want. And, you know, it's all about connecting and engagement and discussion. So things that take away from that should not be allowed in communities. I, wow, Thank you. that was phenomenal. I don't think almost anybody that I've seen, any groups have like a full document of guidelines. I know I've seen posted posts of guidelines. Um, for example, in mine, sure. I have a pin post for guidelines. Um, but I think having something and having like even a, um, a full process in writing about what would get you banned and what the process would look like or what a, you know, you know, what a, Hey, you know, one one sure. ticket, two tickets, three tickets, you're out type deal. Um, I think that worked. That would work extremely well. Now, there's one company that you mentioned right now that I'm not familiar with, and I'm not a. Yes. Uh, uh, I think you said it was Koros. Could you talk to me a little bit about what they do because that could probably benefit some business sure, owners who don't sure. have time. So to Koros, um, a lot of people know them by their former name, Lithium. So they're Lithium yeah. Technologies, but they. They uh, merged with a company called Spreadfast, which was a web analytics company, and now they've rebranded as Koros, and it's been just over a year, and it's K-H-O-R-O-S. So basically, they're an online, they're the largest online community provider in the world. So they've been doing, they've been doing it a long time, so they have that advantage, and they, they manage communities for big brands. So basically... They provide a platform, they provide servers, they provi provide backend admin tools, and there's uh, different levels of service, but you can also help have them help you moderate. So in terms of, you know, what we we're just talking about is like somebody violates the rules, 
they have their moderators that can provide that you know, that service where they take care of all that communication, banning people, things like that. So, and they also provide the platform. So you get, you know, a software package that is on their servers and at a basic level, you get um, discussion boards, blogs, uh, question and answer blogs, uh, a tool called an idea exchange, which is a one of the best ways out there to kind of engage engage your community in a feedback loop. And then they provide all this packaged together with a backend that's a, a CMS-based experience. So you're able to manage your content, you're able to you know, work with your graphics. Um, and they've been around a little bit and they're, they're still evolving, they're improving their platform. Uh, you know, they, and they have groups, so groups are basically focused discussion boards. And the great thing that they're doing uh, this year is they're going to make it so that you can have a group very much like, a, like the Facebook groups are now. So you can have a group within your community that's a super, super focused on a topic. And it has, uh, it will have all, it can have all the content categories of the higher level community. So let's say, let's talk about eBay. So let's say uh, eBay has a group around comic book sellers. So basically eBay can have this mini comic book community within its bigger community and it's more focused than the bigger community. So a lot of the larger community questions are going to be about account issues or support or, you know, things like that. But the advantage there is you've got this super dialed in community based around comic books. So you can have discussion focused just on comic books, selling and collecting. You can have blogs focused on comic books. You can have an idea exchange that's focused on comic books. And the advantage there is that gets you the SEO traffic that's gonna bring traffic to the site. So in terms of this niche content, let's say you've got somebody looking to buy or sell comic books and maybe they're not aware of eBay or maybe they hadn't thought of selling comic books on eBay or maybe they're looking for a super rare Spider-Man comic book. So they do a Google search, this community result comes up, they get pulled over and you know, ideally, you want to get this traffic and convert it into a customer. So maybe this person comes in via the, the SEO traffic to the community. Maybe they buy the, buy the comic book on eBay or if it's the Amazon community on Amazon or they start selling on there. So, you know, it just, it's just same thing with the community. They're, they're about helping people and engaging, but it's a, a great means for uh, a brand, a company or any, any, you know, any of any size to have, a really robust robust content platform that gives you that SEO value and brings in traffic. And then you want to bring people in and have them, have them stay and participate in your community. Hopefully they join the community and participate. You've got that sticky content. And then at some point you want to, you know, convert them over to a customer and an advocate. That could be very useful sure. for masterminds oh, and online yeah. trainings, don't you think, for your students? I mean, my God, it's extremely valuable. So I learned, I, I learned many new things today, but that was probably the best tip that you've dropped for me personally, Doug, because, sure. I, again, community is my focus, uh, especially in uh, – 2020 and onwards, community is my biggest focus. So that is definitely a tool that I'm going to check out. And I have one 
burning final question for you, Doug, before we wrap up this extremely amazing episode. Um, my last question is, you know, for a lot of my students and a lot of my listeners and viewers, their thing is, okay, well, fine, community is important and you've given me lots of tips, but how do I even attract members? How do I even get more members? And I was wondering if you could share some insight into that since obviously you've been responsible for- Sure, sure. So I think, you know, and it kind of goes, it kind of goes way back for me, it goes way back to the back. And as a hobby, I was putting, uh, you know, writing album reviews and writing about bands. So to me, it all comes back to communities being a content umbrella for a brand, big or small. So basically you put content up to attract people. And, you know, if it's, if it's the eBay community, the content you have on there is resource value for your community, how to sell, how to buy, you know, and dealing with all those different issues, because that's the, that's the stuff that uh, people are going to look for. But I think at the bottom level is, you know, we all have customers. And I think what you need to do is in terms of a, always have a content strategy, but, you know, in a nutshell, it's answering the questions that your customers are asking. So, and you can get those, you, you know, you can get those questions by uh, polling your customers, talking to your customers, but there are also a lot, tons of online tools where you can literally see what, uh, what questions are being asked on the search engine around keywords. So that's your best and easiest way to get content because what you're literally doing is let's say, let's go back to our comic book example. You can, you, let's say you get, um, you get a search result, a search question back on searching for Spider-Man comic books. So then what you do in your community is you, or your mini community is you write a blog post on uh, how to search for Spider-Man comic books. So the next people that search for that, that comes up as a result for them. And so what you, you know, the, the sweet spot is you're looking for questions that don't already have answers or answering the question better with more dialed in content. And then in terms of content, I'm a big fan of what, you know, they refer to as the content funnel. Video is still huge. Video is very interactive. Video is very shareable. And that's kind of your top level content. So you, you, you make a video, it's very engaging, and you can post it, you know, on YouTube across the board. And then from that video, you can get screenshots, you can get graphics, you pull the, uh, pull the text from your video for social media posts, the transcript you can use for your blog and for your website and just pull different types of content from there. And then also, uh, you know, pull pieces of the audio from your video to use in your podcast or repurpose your video as a podcast or just, you know, portions of it. Hey, here's a talk I did with, with, with Sonia at social media school. And, you know, here are some clips from it. So think of in terms of, you know, that content funnel and kind of maximizing what you're putting out. And then also using that just across the board in terms of a social media strategy to drive traffic to your community. So you're repurposing all this content. And then at some point, obviously when you, you schedule this stuff out, you stagger it, but at some point you go back around and some of this content will be very evergreen that you can reuse maybe three, six, nine months down the line. So I think, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's, answer the questions that your customers are asking via content. And that's what's going to bring them to your community. 
That is fantastic advice because I think a lot of times we create content that we sure. think we want to see, what people see. But if you create content that answers questions, well, that's what people exactly. are Googling. So really SEO is a huge, huge portion of this. And I think we get so caught up sometimes in photos, yep. videos, texts, and such that we forget actually that, you know, SEO really is a, a foundation for for a lot of traffic. I mean, a major part of traffic. So solid advice, Doug. And I want to thank you again for being on today's podcast. Uh, We definitely kept you a little bit longer, but it was just such an invigorating uh, conversation. Um, So I do want to ask if people, where can they find you or where can they learn more, connect with you? Um, let's see. I mean, the easiest way is on LinkedIn. So you can search me on LinkedIn, Doug Smith, content, social media, community, podcasting, audience engagement. Um, the easiest, quickest way to find me could be on, um, on Instagram as well. So my handle on Instagram is snoop.dougie. So S N O O P dot D O U G I E. (laughs) Um, and I I also have, uh, yeah, thank you. That that's actually um, that's a story. That name came from eBay sellers. So to help and weigh back some eBay sellers, uh, they didn't like the initial Instagram handle that I had. So they told me I needed something catchy. So they came up with that, and that's that's kind of stuck. So that's that's probably the quickest and easiest way to find me is at snoop.dougie. I also have uh, a branded Instagram handle. It's uh, Doug at TBD. So D O U G A T T B D. So hopefully, you know, when I find a new job, I will, uh, I always tend to, you know, go above and beyond in terms of content. So, you know, whatever company I'll be working at, I will share their content on my own, uh, own sources, but, and, you know, people, and I'm, I'm, that's the thing in, in what we do is we want to inherently help people. So I'll even give out my email address, dasmith090104 at yahoo.com. So if you have questions or want to talk or you know, have me on your podcast. I'm happy to do that as well. And, um, and yeah, thanks, Sonia, for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Would love to be on again. And, you know, now that we've connected, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. And, um, you know, I have some other people that I could refer to you that you might be interested in talking to as well. Absolutely. Well, Doug, I'm obviously going to be picking your brains nonstop on LinkedIn a little bit more. But again, thank you so, so much for, um, for all of your knowledge today and we will see you guys on the next episode of social media school with Sonia Kilji. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks.